Merry Christmas, strangers. Merry well, Christmas, strangers. Welcome to another episode, a surprise, quote unquote, surprise episode. I, I feel like most of, most them, of you most knew of this them was probably happening. knew it was coming. Yes, this I is might our, have even told a couple people that it was coming. Our so. Christmas special. I'm um, Krista Kringle. And, and with I was me, Curdy Claus. Curdy Claus? <laughs> That's what I was, I think, last Christmas. Really? I was yeah. going to say Curdy yep. Kane. <laughs> I, I prefer Kurt. Curdy Kane is the name I dance under. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so, uh, just an FYI, we are not the only people at the school today. There's a bunch of kids here. Yeah. And, and they're, they're in, in the, the room, next room. Likely next to us. So, if you hear weird, strange children's voices, it's not ghosts. It's no. actual small children. Maybe it'll add to the Christmassy feel. Like, <laughs> sure. we have a house full of guests. Yeah. <laughs> or something. Exactly. So, no, uh, just Merry Christmas. Hope you guys are having a good holiday so far. And it's weird to say that because... It's like three weeks away. Yeah, it's like three <laughs> weeks away. And like uh, Christmas isn't even like really a thought yet for me, but it's coming up super quick. It totally is for me. My house is already... I've decked the halls. You have decked the halls. Yes. And... Uh, I did have... too. I put in my pine scented air freshener and that's <laughs> the extent of my... Nice. That's the extent of my holiday decorations. I have like a quarter of my presents bought. I still have more to buy. Well, and candy to make. So. I am a flat broke oh, because yeah. of my job stuff. So I don't know what I'm going to do. You know what? A good gift, guys, are ornaments. Ornaments yeah, they are. usually only cost a few bucks. and Except I don't have a tree. They can, But buy them for other people. Yeah. That's what I do. I always feel like an ornament is a good Christmas gift because it's what if you Christmassy. tell everybody that and they buy me ornaments and I don't even have a tree? Are you going to have to buy a tree? I'll have to buy a tree. <laughs> so, But I'm just saying if you're on a budget and you want to buy gifts for people, ornaments are a good idea. Yeah, they are. Because they're cheap. They are. So, all right. That was Christmas Corner with Christmas Kurt Corner and Krista. With Krista. <laughs> um, Housekeeping. I do have a question I need to answer uh, from Facebook. Do you want to do that now or should we save that to save the end? Save that for the end. Okay. Because when we do listener questions. Okay. Um, want to give shout outs to our newest strangers since our final episode. And that those are Taryn Rayberg, Brandon Harris, and Rex Hawley. Thank you guys so much for joining the strangers. Three? Three since. Wow, we had like 18 last time. I know. We go through weird, <laughs> you know. And a couple people have, have asked me why we don't promote ourselves more and do stuff like that. And we've talked about it's that in the final work. episode that we kind of don't want to. We kind of like where we are now. Yeah. Uh, Bridget actually sent me a link. I don't remember what the site was, but it showed like our ranking in like different countries. Oh. Yeah. I where did she find that? I don't I don't remember. I want to know how to do I that. I don't remember. I, th- I want to say that we were actually pretty good in Sweden. Oh, right. So <laughs> we're big with the Swedish community, which okay. is awesome. Yeah, but I'll send you that after the show. Okay, yeah, I want to see that. The show. That's pretty cool. Uh, do we have any other housekeeping? Probably. <laughs> Probably that we can't remember. <laughs> oh. <laughs> should really write this stuff down. <laughs> that's what next season is for. This is, this is, we're, these are building this is seasons. These run. are just building seasons. Next season, we're going to knock it out of the park. People wonder why we don't promote ourselves. Because <laughs> exactly. I can't even remember housekeeping from week to week. I don't um, think we have any. We have a poll right now. Or not a poll, but we have a thread in the strangers about what topics, topics. you guys are interested in that we could use for the season opener next season. Yeah. And once, I think like at the end of... Monday, I'll see which ones got a lot of votes, and then a day or two after, I'll have a poll up in the strangers where you can vote for whichever one you want. You know, I thought we a lot of really great suggestions. Yeah, a lot of really great suggestions, but I think we should just veto all of them and just have the first episode <laughs> nothing but jokes from the pickle book. Oh my god. <laughs> 
think that would, <laughs> that would be a sick joke. <laughs> would be. Oh man, I'd be mad if I were a listener. Yeah, I would too. Uh, so I don't think we really have any other housekeeping. I know last year's Christmas episode, we talked a lot about our Christmas memories and stuff, oh, yeah. but we kind of did that already. So yeah. I feel like we don't... I can't make up new memories. I don't memories. know. This Christmas is weird. It doesn't feel like Christmas. I don't know if it's because I'm so stressed with my job stuff be. or life in general. I think general the holidays or... are stressful for people in general, but... They are. Yeah. They are. I, I'm growing to hate the holidays. Wow. I really am. And that sucks. I'm but... loving it right now. I'm actually enjoying it. But. but and it it annoys me that we had so much snow and cold weather and stuff by now. I remember I remember a couple of years ago on New Year's Day I went for a walk on my trail with just a t-shirt on because it wow. was so nice. Yeah. And now we we're getting more snow Monday and then they're saying Are we really? Yeah, they said 1 to 3 inches Monday and then oh. they said uh a high of 4 degrees on Wednesday so yeah, that's going to be, be cold. Lovely. It's definitely going to be cold. I need a little snow for Christmas, though. Last year, I remember we had barely a dusting, and I yeah. was really disappointed. And then we just got dumped on from there on out, like yeah, we did. like a foot of snow we at did. a time. It was insane. So we're also here today recording a backup episode or two for yeah, uh, for snow the dump day. that's coming. <laughs> and if it's going to be anything like it's been so far, it's going to be a rough winter. But we're going to see. Yeah. So on to our taste test. Let's do it. I tried to find something Christmassy, but I couldn't really find anything good that was Christmassy. They didn't have Christmassy. any candy cane flavored Pringles. <laughs> no, they do. they do. They have they have like sweet Pringles. Oh, do they yeah, really? Like cinnamon sugar, but I didn't see them. Okay. And I think they had a peppermint one, like a candy cane one, but oh, I didn't see it. I think cinnamon sugar would be really good. Yeah, they were. I bought them. Mm. So I could not find anything Christmassy. So I figured, keeping in with our extensive amount of jerkies we've tried oh, yeah we haven't done a jerky this, in a this while this one is interesting okay it is oh banana jerky which originally excited originally i thought okay it's just gonna be dried bananas but it's not because it's got like garlic powder onion powder Ooh. paprika that's unexpected yeah it is Turn so the, I was... called, the brand name is wild joy goods i like it <laughs> it's a cool bag and hey, if you're into all those trendy diet things, it's vegan, gluten-free, paleo. In the back says, this jerky is bananas. <laughs> B-A-N-A-N-A-S. Literally. Oh, boy. <laughs> all right. Should I rip this bad boy open? Rip it open. I'm super curious to try these. See how smooth that was? It's a Christmas miracle. Band-Aid. Ah, oh, shoot. It's a Christmas miracle. <gasps> oh, okay. I always have to make some... Weird. It's yeah, weird looking. Like I expected it to look like dried banana chips, and it doesn't. It does it not. Looks like it looks like rotten bananas that you left <laughs> sit out too long. Yes, That's what exactly. It looks like. Let me see if I can get a picture. Exactly. Of that. Pull one out. Wow, that does not look appetizing. They could have at least made it look. It looks like a banana that you know. No, you know what this you... looks like. What? When I walk on my trail and there's a snake that has been dead for a while, oh. it looks like a dead snake. It kind of does. Or like when or you're going like to make a... banana bread. Yeah. You want your banana to kind of look like this. This looks like a run over piece of dog poop. <laughs> oh, goodness. We're going to eat it. Let me get another picture. This is not what I expected. No, but it, I bet it's going to be surprisingly good. Uh, it smells good. weird, too. I'm not a fan of the smell. Oh. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's weird. Okay. Right? You ready? I'm ready. Oh, boy. Mm, it's not too bad. I, it's also not too good. <laughs> I don't like that. There's something weird about it. Oh, I don't like that. No. Mm, no. 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 It tastes like bad banana, like a banana that's gone bad. It does. 
with, with like a hint the of garlic with like should a hint not of be in garlic. there. If it was just the banana and sugar like that, like cinnamon and sugar would have yeah. been great. Garlic, that's and gross. onion powder. Oh, oh I, no, that's bad. I, I'm not even finishing it. Oh, I don't even like the texture of it. No. No. Oh, what do we do with it? Put it back. Oh, no. <laughs> I took a bite out of it, and you're going to put it back in the bag. Well, I'm not going to take them home and eat these. Oh, hell no. We'll give them to the kids in the <laughs> other room. You were going to say that. <laughs> Merry Christmas, kids. Make everyone Santa sick. Santa said you were bad this year. <laughs> oh, those are not good. No. It's funny. I can say this because my husband doesn't listen unless I make him. <laughs> but we were doing like a 12 days of Christmas thing where we're getting each other 12 gifts to put in our stockings. And I bought him this lump of coal candy. Nice. I'm pretty excited about it. Nice. You should give him those. I, yeah, that'd be a cruel joke. Oh, those are not. No, they're gross. But the aftertaste is. Yeah. Out of 10? A two. <laughs> okay, I was just what I Only because say. they taste was, like banana. Yeah, I was and just, I love bananas. It, they don't taste enough like banana. So I'm going to give it a two also. It is not pleasant. They taste like, see, I love bananas, but I don't like banana flavored things. So, and they taste like a banana flavored. I'm almost you know more what I mean? opposite. I like banana flavored things, but I'm oh, not really? a huge fan of bananas because they're kind of boring. It's like root beer. I love root beer, but I can't handle root beer candy or anything no. that's flavored yeah. like root beer. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Uh-huh. I can't imagine anything that you could do with that. That would be good. I got to get that taste out of my mouth because that is horrible. I'm guessing they actually need to have... Um, some gluten in them and possibly <laughs> some of the other things that they say they're free of on here. Like I'm maybe some a, sugar would be good. I'm eating a piece of gum just Ugh. because that was so bad. Okay, that was gross. All right. Merry Christmas to yeah, us. <laughs> I guess so. That was one of the worst jerkies we've tried, actually. It was gross. I got excited when you said jerky. <laughs> I got excited because it was banana jerky. Mm, okay. So much for my you excitement health food for that. People need to... That's what I get for getting excited about yeah. something regroup your rethink your banana jerky okay moving on (laughs) moving on i think we're on to our main story all right i think we have anything else to talk about i know last year it was kind of a a shorter episode but i think this one is going to be a a full episode i think this one might be a little longer so we wanted to give you guys something so you could listen to us because we know it's a long break Mm -hmm. and a lot of people yell about us taking a break so long so (laughs) (laughs) i wanted to give you guys the pleasure of listening to us i guess that's our gift to you yes merry christmas and these bananas if you want them so tonight's topic is the rendlesham forest ufo sighting so did we touch on this i think we might have in the past and this one is weird because i knew the basics of this one but i like digging into it and a uh, spoiler, I still don't know what I think because I have gone back and forth up oh. until the moment that I drove here because I listened <laughs> to a podcast about it on the way here. So I have gone back and forth and I literally don't know what to think. I so don't it's like know the if... theories are... There's two basic theories and that's, okay. you know what those are going to be already. It's a UFO? Or it's, it's not it's a UFO. A, not a, or it's nothing. <laughs> you know, either okay. it's a UFO slash some military thing okay. or nothing. And I just don't know what I believe. So we're going to see what you guys think. And this is kind of, I picked this for the Christmas episode because this took place at Christmas. Oh, okay. So there's a tie in. There is a tie in. I struggled (laughs) to find a tie in. No. (laughs) You can only do Krampus. Next Christmas will probably be totally random because they're running out of Christmassy things. Rendlesham Forest is owned by the Forestry Commission and consists of about 5.8 square miles of coniferous plantations interspersed with broad leaved belts. 
and wetland areas. Okay. I copied that from uh, Wikipedia. I didn't okay. make Sound, it up. Okay, sounds like a woods. It is located in the county of Suffolk, about eight miles east of the town of Ipswich. In Ipswich. London. In, in England. Okay. The incident occurred in the vicinity of two former military bases, RAF Bentwaters, which is just to the north of the forest, and RAF Woodbridge, which extends into the forest from the west and is bounded by the forest on its northern and eastern edges. So there's two bases right there, and the woods is kind of in between them. Okay. And uh, the Royal Air Force bases, so they're British bases, but at least um, Bentwaters, everybody that's involved in this one was American. Oh, there were okay. American servicemen over there. Okay. At the time, both were being used by the United States Air Force and were under the command of Wing Commander Colonel Gordon E. Williams. The base commander was Colonel Ted Conrad, and his deputy was Lieutenant Colonel Charles Halt. And you're going to hear a lot about Charles Halt. Halt's memo to the Ministry of Defense on the incident and his personal involvement in the second night of the sightings has given the case credibility. And this still shows up, like when I have UFO shows on randomly at home, this shows up a lot on the UFO shows. So the uh, Rendlesham Forest, you'll also see it called the Bentwater sightings. Bad but water, Bentwater or okay. Rendlesham Forest. But this shows up a lot in the UFO sightings and with good good cause. I mean, you have military people that see this thing. Right. You know, so around three o'clock in the morning on December 26th, 1980, Staff Sergeant Jim Penniston, the on-duty flight chief for the Woodbridge base, got a call from the security center telling him that Airman First Class Edward Cabinsag, I think that's his name, what is that? Cabin Sag. C-A-B-A-N-S-A-G. Sure. Cabin Sag. Cabin Sag. Was on his way to get him. He was then instructed to meet up with two of the base's military police, Staff Sergeant Bud Steffens and Airman First Class John Burroughs. When they met, Steffens and Burroughs told Penniston that something had happened and they had seen some strange lights over the forest. Penniston's immediate thought was that an aircraft might have went down in the woods, so he told Burroughs that they should go and investigate. Steffens told Penniston that it couldn't have been a crash because he saw the lights actually land. Hmm. The group decided to go and see what it was, but Steffens was kind of freaked out, admittedly. Yeah. <laughs> but still, I mean... I'm not sure I'd go investigate. I, If you assume it's a plane going down, once you go... I don't know. That just kind of surprised me that he decided... I guess if you assumed That he decided plane. to stay behind. Yeah. Penniston, Cabinsake, and Burroughs got into a vehicle and headed out into the forest. The three of them could see a light shining through the trees, and they got out of their vehicle and made their way into the woods to investigate. As they started walking towards the light, their radio started to go haywire. Never a good sign. You no. know that. So because of the radios, Penniston had Cabin Sag stay with the vehicle so he could act as a go-between for the soldiers and the base. As Penniston and Burroughs walked closer towards the light, they noticed that the animals in the woods and on a nearby farm seemed to be in a frenzied state. Another good sign. Another yeah. not so good sign. Burroughs also heard what he said sounded like a woman screaming, which is weird. Walking up to the light, Penniston saw that it appeared to be a shiny black metallic triangular craft of some kind about the size of a tank, like 10 feet long and around 7 feet high. The surface was completely smooth, with white light coming from the top and bottom of the craft and red and blue lights flashing on the side of the craft. Penniston then took out a camera and took photos of the craft, walking up to it. The ship appeared to be smooth and solid, with no signs of manufacturing like seams or rivets, other than what appeared to be some symbols on the surface. Penniston took out a pad of paper and sketched the craft and the symbols he saw on the surface of the craft. 
Peniston ran his hands along the surface and found it warm to the touch. When he touched the rougher surface of the symbols, Peniston said that everything went white. When his vision came back, Peniston said that the object had become a solid bright white color. Then he said it slowly lifted itself four or five feet off the ground, made its way through some trees, rose towards the treetops, and then vanished. Alrighty then. Yeah. Did he make any noise? It sounded like it was pretty silent. Okay. Uh, but the part with him touching the the symbols and everything going white, remember that, because that comes into play later. Okay. Some reports say that the men headed back to the base to be debriefed and were told in no uncertain terms to forget everything they saw. Peniston's report, which was written that night shortly after the incident, doesn't say anything about their encounter with the strange craft, but other uh, reports that I read, other articles that I read, said the men returned to the base and reported what happened to their commanding officer, Lieutenant Fred Byrne, who told them that the nearby radar base had reported a strange blip on their radar the night before. Hmm. Byrne's report, dated January 2nd, 1981, confirms Burroughs and Peniston's sighting. By this point, strange lights over Rendlesham had also been reported to the police. So there's been a lot of reports of lights. Uh, the thing with investigating this one, though, is that there's so many discrepancies in articles about dates and times oh. and who saw what and what happened. What year was this? This was 1980. Okay. Yeah, Christmas 1980. Hmm. That's tough. It but is. it sounds like people were having experiences, not yeah. just on one night, yeah. but like... Yeah, but there's there's more coming, too. Oh, okay. So that was the, the first night when uh, Peniston saw, when they saw this craft, and yeah. Peniston touched it, and they saw the craft lift up off the ground and take off. The next morning, Burroughs, Peniston, and two police officers went back into the woods to find the location of the encounter from the previous night. Coming to the area, they believed the event happened. They found broken branches everywhere and three indentations on the ground. Peniston was 100% convinced that the indentations were from the craft, but the police officers that were there with them believed they were just rabbit burrows. <laughs> the three indentations did form an equilateral triangle when measured, but the soldiers and the policemen continued to disagree about their origin. Uh, I couldn't get a solid account of this, but by some reports, 20 hours after the first sighting, 18-year-old Lori Bowen was on duty guarding the east gate when she witnessed a ball of orange-red light descend into the forest northwards of her guard post. Five of her colleagues also reportedly witnessed a strange light, but I've only seen that on one or two sites, and then it was always, like, phrased exactly the same, like, you know, like one site might have made it up, but then other sites Others copied and pasted it, yeah. it and put it. Hmm. So I can't verify that, but that did show up in some of the accounts. Colonel Charles Halt, the base commander, had been away from the base on Christmas Day, so he hadn't been there during the original sighting, but he had been filled in on his return to the base. On the night of December 27th, during the base Christmas party, Lieutenant Bruce England came in and told Halt that the UFO had returned. Halt immediately put together a group and said that he was going to lead the group out into the woods in an attempt to debunk whatever was going on because he was starting to get annoyed at this distraction that he felt was nonsense. The soldiers made their way into the woods with Halt leading them. Halt had a small handheld tape recorder with him which he used to record the events of the search. This recording is what would come to be known as the Halt tape. As they entered the woods, their radio equipment and the portable lights they were using to search the woods started malfunctioning. Halt and his men made their way to the landing site from the previous sighting two nights before. At the site, they measured abnormal amounts of radiation near the impressions in the ground. 
At this point, a smaller group that had broken off alerted Halt's group that they were seeing what looked like a dancing red light inside of a strange fog. Then the light started heading towards Halt's group. And this is all on audio, so we are going to play the audio clip. Uh, I took out the first part. The first part is them, like, checking out the trees and stuff around the area and, like, walking to the area. But I started this clip right where they start to see this light. So, without any further ado, this is the clip from the Halt tape. Uh, broken pine branches underground underneath. Looks like someone came off about 15 to 20 feet up. Some small branches about an inch or less in diameter. Zero 148, we're hearing very strange sounds out of the farmer's barnyard animals. It's very, very active, making an awful lot of noise. Yeah, it's a pigmentation. You just saw a light yeah, there. Wait, I'm slow down. Where? Right at this position here, straight ahead in between the tree. There it is again. Watch, straight ahead off my flash right there, yeah, sir. There it is. Oh, yeah, I see it too. What is it? We don't know, sir. So, yeah, can I get some Yeah, it's a strange, small red light. It looks to be out maybe a quarter to half mile, maybe further out. I'm going to switch off. The light is gone now. It was approximately 120 degrees from the site. Yeah. Is it back again? Yes, sir. Oh, that's the flashlight set. Let's move out to the edge of the clearing so we can get a better look at it. See if you can get the star scope on it. The light's still there, and all the barnyard animals have gotten quiet now. Yeah, we're heading about 110 to 120 degrees from the site out through to the clearing now. Still getting a reading on the meter. About two clicks. Meter's jump three to four clicks, getting stronger. Now it's, uh, now it's coming up. Hold up. There we go. With about approximately four foot off the ground. Alright, just turn the meter off. Gotta say that again. About four feet off the ground, about 110 degrees, getting a reading of about four clicks. Yes, sir. Yeah, but it. <coughs> no, it's dying. No, it's not. I think it's something other than the ground. I think it's something that's something variable here. tree right over. We just found the first night bird we've seen. We're about 150 to 200 yards from the site. Everything else is just deathly calm. There's no doubt about it. There's some type of strange flashing red light ahead. There's yellow. I saw a yellow tinge in it, too. Weird. It, it, it appears to be maybe moving a little bit this way. It's, it's brighter than it has been. Yellow. It's coming this way. It is definitely coming this way. Pieces of it are shooting off. There's no doubt about it. This is weird. Red flash. 
It's interesting hearing them getting kind of like excited and nervous. A couple times during it, you can tell that he's like seriously kind of like freaked out out a little bit. So, and you know, what, what, what makes this kind of credible is that these aren't hillbillies making moonshine in the woods. These are soldiers that have been taught to deal with stuff like this. Hmm. So that is kind of a famous recording. The halt tape is kind of a famous recording in UFO circles. After a few hours, the objects seemed to break up into smaller pieces, then vanish. For several hours after, small white lights were witnessed in the sky. After this incident, it's said that intelligence agencies came to conduct interviews with the soldiers. According to an article on theunredacted.com called, quote, The Christmas Invasion, quote, Jim Penniston recalls being repeatedly grilled about the incident by the Air Force's Office of Intelligence, even being administered truth drug sodium pentothal on one occasion. Sergeant Adrian Bustinza claims he was interrogated for hours in an underground part of the base by unnamed agents, possibly from the CIA. Ed Cabinsag, who had accompanied Burroughs and Penniston on the first night of activity, said he was ordered to sign a false statement that concealed what he really saw. Wing Commander Charles Gabriel, in charge of all United States Air Force forces in Europe, made an unprecedented impromptu visit to the bases, seizing much of Halt's evidence. Halt was told that the United States had no official interest in the incident. But we're going to seize all your evidence. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Unsure exactly what to do, and with jurisdiction over the matter officially shared between the U.S. and the U.K., Halt was told to hand the matter over to the British Ministry of Defense. 
Hult's January 13, 1981 memo entitled, quote, Unexplained Lights, summarized the event of the weekend and was sent to the British government, and that's where things ended. When Penniston went to get the photographs he took of the craft from the base's photo lab, he was told that there weren't any photos because they didn't turn out. Uh (laughs) Of course. Things at the base then returned to normal, and for a little while it was like that. Then, in 1983, British tabloid News of the World obtained the Halt Memo and ran a story on it, and the story blew up. Hmm. This is the Halt Memo. Subject, unexplained lights. Number one, early in the morning of December 27th, 1980, approximately 0300 hours, two USAF security police patrolmen saw unusual lights outside the back gate at Woodbridge. Thinking an aircraft might have crashed or been forced down, they called for permission to go outside the gate to investigate. The individuals reported seeing a strange glowing object in the forest. The object was described as being metallic in appearance and triangular in shape, Hmm. approximately two to three meters across the base and approximately two meters high. It illuminated the entire forest with a white light. The object itself had a pulsing red light on top and banks of blue lights underneath. The object was either hovering or on legs. And there's a lot of discrepancies in this because Mm. earlier it said that there was white light on the top and this one is saying that there was a red light on the top. At this time, the animals on a nearby farm went into a frenzy. The object was briefly sighted approximately an hour later near the back gate. Number two, the next day, three depressions, one and a half inches deep and seven inches in diameter, were found where the object had been sighted on the ground. The following night, December 29th, the area was checked for radiation. Beta slash gamma readings of 0.1 millirotgens were recorded with peak readings in the three depressions and near the crater of the triangle formed by the three depressions. A nearby tree had moderate readings on the side of the tree facing towards the three depressions. Hmm. So the tree's side that was facing where the craft was believed to be had higher levels of radiation. Okay. Number three, later in the night, a red sun-like object was seen through the trees. It moved about and pulsed. At one point, it appeared to throw off glowing particles and then broke into five separate white objects and disappeared. Immediately thereafter, three star-like objects were unnoticed in the sky. Two objects to the north and one to the south, all of which were about 10 degrees off of the horizon. These objects moved rapidly in sharp angular movements and displayed red, green, and blue lights. I mean, that's definitely common behavior in a sighting of something that breaks into smaller... And I don't know why. I never understood that. The objects to the north appeared to be elliptical through power lens. They then turned to full circles. The objects in the north remained in the sky for an hour or more. The object to the south was visible for two to three hours and beamed down a stream of light from time to time. Numerous individuals, including the undersigned, witnessed the events in paragraphs two and three. Signed, Charles Halt, Deputy Base Commander. Hmm. So the Halt memo is like a big document in UFO. Uh, ufology Mm -hmm. is an important document you see a lot of lot of talk about the halt tape and the halt memo in 2010 peniston appeared on the show ancient aliens and revealed something that he had not discussed before and this is where i kind of lose it a little bit okay Jim Penniston believes in the moment that he touched the glyphs and everything went white a message was implanted in his mind he says quote the communication of binary codes was accomplished when I physically touched the craft's glyphs, which were located on the outside skin of the craft. It activated a technology which is unknown to me and apparently to everyone else too. This technology then communicated a series of ones and zeros to me. 
The communication transfer was accomplished within minutes. There was an area of about 15 feet which surrounded the outside of the craft. This area I will call the bubble. For within the bubble, static electricity pulsed upon my clothes, skin, and hair. Also an appearance of slowing of time. The air seemed dead, not transmitting any sound. The next day, while looking through my notebook, the glyphs in particular, I had the codes running through my head since the incident. I had a feeling to write them down, so I did, and immediately after finishing them, the codes were gone from my mind. I was finally at rest with them. The notebook was then put away and retired to a box. Peniston, Linda Moulton Howe, and several other people managed to decipher much of the message, revealing that it was a simple binary code. The message, in part, reads, and I'm picking some of this because there were just a lot of gibberish in there, too. Okay. Quote, Exploration of Humanity. Continuous for planetary advancement. Fourth coordinate continuous. And then there's a list of coordinates that include the Great Pyramid of Giza, the Nazca Lines in Peru, and Sedona, Arizona. And then the phrase, eyes of your eyes. And then it has the words origin point, which has coordinates that point to high Brazil, which is a fascinating topic on its own and will be in a future episode. High Brazil is said to be a legendary phantom island that's said to exist off the coast of Ireland. So basically, this is saying that that's where this was transmitted from, was this mysterious phantom island. And then it ends with the phrase, origin year 8100, that this message came from the year 8100. Wow, okay. Yeah. So Peniston believes that the craft they saw that night was not alien in nature, but rather it was us from our future. Hmm. So there's that. Okay. <laughs> you look kind of. Well, yeah, I don't. Uh, to me, aliens are more plausible than time travel. I mean, no, I know time I, travel I, is I possible. Time travel, but I don't know that the to make it happen is. We just don't have that kind of technology yeah, to do that. Maybe yeah. someday we will, obviously, but. But I remember I was super interested in this case, and then when I saw the stuff about the binary message being beamed into his head, it was kind of like, eh. you know, yeah. especially the stuff that was written sounds kind of hokey sci-fi. But is that how something that doesn't really grasp your language very well would communicate with you too? Possibly. I don't you're know. kind of believing this? You're kind of you're kind of buying the It's not the first time I've heard of someone getting odd messages from aliens though. You know what I true. mean? True. I don't know why it's not I, like a I don't new know thing. why I'm so skeptical about that, but this this is kind of where It did take it over the top. It did. It went from sort of like an ordinary sort of plausible, credible sighting to yeah. okay, now we're getting a little hokey. Yeah, because on one hand, I feel like we have the tape, which to me is very legit, and mm-hmm. and I believe that they're seeing something that's really freaking oh, yeah. them out. But on yeah. the other hand, we got the binary download into his head, which and, and you know, high Brazil, and these coordinates of the the pyramid of Giza and all that mm-hmm. just kind of lost me with that. Yeah, it does. So I don't know. It makes it a little hooey. You but know those are the basic. That's basically what happened. Okay. Um, like I said, there's a lot of discrepancies in articles I've read. Some say this, some say this, but this is mostly the gist of what had happened. That first night, uh, I don't remember who it was, Peniston and somebody else went out and that's when they saw it. And that's when they touched, I think Burroughs, it was Peniston and Burroughs went out and they saw the craft, touched it. And then it was like two nights later when Halt went out with another party. And that's when they saw all these strange lights in the woods. Mm-hmm. So now we get to our theories and there's... Basically, two theories. Okay. How many sub-theories are there? Not oh, really usually any. usually like 100 sub-theories. No, no, there's just basically two theories. And okay. First theory, it was really an alien craft or some kind of military technology we didn't know about. 
but that doesn't really make sense because no. by now those witnesses are mostly those, military. Yeah, and all yeah, but there's a lot of stuff that goes on that the soldiers themselves don't know about, even if you're a higher up soldier. Hmm. But I feel like if that was sort some sort of craft that was almost forty years ago, so we would know by now what that was. Yeah, you know. So I think if anything, I think it was an alien craft. I don't think it was military technology of any kind. Uh, but going with this theory that it really was an alien craft, there were a lot of sightings of strange lights in the sky over those few days. And similar sightings. And similar sightings. And I hear a lot that there are still weird things that go on in that forest. Like there's something mm-hmm. off about that area. Mm-hmm. In 2011, the UK released thousands of previously classified UFO documents, but the ones pertaining to the Rendlesham Forest sightings had somehow mysteriously vanished. <laughs> and I mean, that to me makes it suspicious. It, yeah, it makes yeah. it credible that it really right. was a UFO Somebody saying, made it disappear. You know, his photos disappeared or they mysteriously didn't turn out. You know, lens cap was on, whatever. Right. <laughs> right. In a July 21st, 2015 article called, quote, Retired Air Force Colonel Claims New Evidence Will Blow the Lid Off Rendlesham UFO Sighting, Dang. Halt says, quote, I know it's a long title. Halt <laughs> says, quote, the military has nothing to do with it other than the cover-up, but I can tell you there is some type of superior intelligence that can change size, change shape, do funny things. What I saw, I'm firmly convinced, didn't have anything that we know or could relate to inside of it. Maybe they're not a being, as we know. Maybe they're just an entity or just an intelligence, and we can't relate to it at all. Maybe it's AI. It could be. That's a good point. Halt says he eventually obtained signed sworn statements after many years from air traffic controllers who were on duty during the 1980 Bentwaters events. He says, quote, they saw the object go across their scope, a 60-mile scope, in two or three seconds, thousands of miles an hour, he told the BBC. It came back across their scopes again, stopped near the water tower. They observed it. They watched it go over into the forest where we were. And he does have these signed statements that, that people that were doing the... Uh, air traffic controllers saw okay. they had weird readings on, on the their radar. on the radar that okay. there was something zooming around out there yeah it was only after years passed and the air traffic controllers retired that they decided to tell halt about what they saw on their radar scope in 1980 halt says quote they told me that they knew any time that an air traffic controller reported a ufo they got decertified so they said nothing hmm. which makes sense you know, like you, if you see something and you go around spouting off, you saw a UFO, you're going to get fired. <laughs> Probably. You know. Although that's sad. It is sad, but it's it's true. I mean, that's one of the reasons that, that pilots don't record or don't report a lot of UFO sightings because you're going to get ridiculed. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, it's like a double-edged sword. If you, if you don't report it, you're covering it up. If you do report it, you're going to have people calling you crazy, crazy yep. or you're going to be bombarded by UFO nuts wanting to talk to you about right. it you know so which is yeah that's it's, true. maybe it's not a bad idea to shut up about it mm-hmm. i can totally understand that peter hill norton a former british five-star navy admiral and chief of the defense staff and a member of the house of lords so he's kind of a mm-hmm. yeah he's not just a boy scout <laughs> he said in a letter to junior defense minister john gilbert quote My position, both privately and publicly, expressed over the last dozen years or so is that there are only two possibilities. Either A, an intrusion into our airspace and a landing by an unidentified craft took place at Rendlesham as described, or B, the deputy commander of an operational nuclear-armed U.S. Air Force base in England and a large number of his enlisted men were either hallucinating or lying. So I totally, totally agree with that. I mean, he... he I, don't, I don't believe everybody would be hallucinating. No, no. 
Even if even if something like that were to happen, the odds of everyone hallucinating the same thing is like pff, impossible. I would it, think it is, and enough people saw this and have come forward and talked about it. Right, that something happened. I mean, mm-hmm. they saw something. Yeah, uh, whether it was a UFO, you know, I don't know. Um, a UFO is simply an unidentified flying object, though. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't mean it's an alien craft. I'm gonna I'm gonna say right now that. Up until my drive here, I was more with theory number two than I was with theory number one. That it wasn't anything? No. Because on the way here, like, and I'm kind of annoyed about this, like right before I went to bed last night, I found a podcast, I think it's called The Unexplained, and it's from mm-hmm. London. Mm-hmm. They interviewed uh, John Burroughs, who oh. was one of the people that were there. He was with Penniston that first night, and they interviewed him. So I was super excited to listen to that. So I listened to that on the drive here. And now I kind of am flip-flop back to thinking that it was a UFO because he talks about the craft. He talks about seeing it. He talks about other stuff. One thing he talked about that was really interesting that I wish I would have like investigated more, but I didn't find out about it till last night, was he said that the night... They, he was there the first night with Penniston, but the night that, Colonel, that Halt was out there with all of his soldiers... He had gone back out there with another soldier because they wanted to go back and see if, if there was anything there. Mm-hmm. So they went back and they ended up running into Halt and his group <laughs> in the woods. Mm-hmm. So then one of the lights kind of came down near them. So Halt had Burroughs and the other guy, I can't think of his name, go to see what this light was. And Burroughs says that there was a light. It was there in the woods like the craft was that first the first night when he was there and he said he walked up to it got engulfed in the light and he doesn't remember anything Mm. he doesn't remember anything at that point but the guy that was with him had stayed back farther and he said he saw burrows completely disappear he said it was exactly like you get beamed out in star trek he said he was there one second and all of a sudden shimmered and was gone and how long was he gone i don't remember i don't remember if he said but he was gone and Listening to him talk about this was just bizarre. You know, they talked about, he talked about that first night that there was some missing time and that they ended up a distance that they shouldn't have been able to get to in the amount of time. That's creepy. Yeah. So <laughs> I, that, you know, listening to that and stuff, stuff. Yeah. Listening to that kind of made me flip from mm. thinking it was all mistaken identity to thinking it maybe it really was a UFO. You know, I think they it, definitely saw something. It, it amazes me how much listening to the person that went through the mm-hmm. event recount what happened and hearing, you know, like you Any can, I think you can usually tell when somebody's. I think so too. Yeah, I agree. You can kind of tell when people are lying. What I was having a hard time with was that the guy's voice is just like Magnum P.I. He sounds like Tom Selleck really? and it kept throwing nice. me off because I love the show Magnum P.I. <laughs> yeah. So they kept throwing me off, but it was really. It, it made me flip back towards thinking that it was something. Hmm. But now, getting ahead of ourselves, theory number two, it was all a case of mistaken identity. Okay. An article in The Guardian on January 5th, 1995, called, quote, A Flashlight in the Forest, said, quote, Soon after the news of the world story appeared, I went in search of local opinions about the case. I made contact by telephone with a forester named Vince Thurkettle, who lives within a mile of the alleged UFO landing site. Immediately, I was brought down to Earth. He told me, quote, I don't know of anyone around here who believes that anything strange happened that night. 
So what did he think the flashing light in Rendlesham Forest was? I was astonished by his reply. It's the lighthouse, he said. And this is the big, this is the big thing is a lot of people think that they were seeing the light from the lighthouse. Okay. That lighthouse lies at Orford Ness on the Suffolk coast, five miles from the forest. Thurkettle plotted on a map the direction in which the airmen reported seeing their flashing UFO and found that they were looking straight into the lighthouse beam. Could this really be the answer? I visited the site with a camera crew from BBC TV's Breakfast Time program. On the way there, the cameraman was skeptical about the lighthouse theory. I didn't blame him. It was past midnight when Vince Thurkettle took us to the site of the alleged landing and it felt spooky. The area had by now been cleared of trees as part of normal forest operations, but enough pines remained at the edge of the forest to give us a realistic idea of what the airmen saw that night. Sure enough, the lighthouse beam seemed to hover a few feet above ground level because Rendlesham Forest is higher than the coastline. The light seemed to move around as we moved, and it looked close, only a few hundred yards away among the trees. All this matched the airman's description of the UFO. The conclusion was clear. Had a real UFO been present as well as the lighthouse, the airman should have reported seeing two brilliant flashing lights among the trees, not one. But... This is me talking, not the article. But they talk in that in the tape. You can hear them talk about multiple lights. Yeah. It's not just one light. And crossing over a creek. Yes. Yeah. A, a lighthouse yeah. light. Exactly. Turns in exactly. a circle. <laughs> My report was shown the following morning on breakfast time, much to the dismay of UFO fanatics and the News of the World reporter. The lighthouse theory soon had its supporters and its detractors, but there were still too many questions for the case to be considered solved. For instance, what about those landing marks? Some weeks later, I returned to Rendlesham Forest in search of answers. The landing marks had long since been destroyed when the trees were felled, but I now knew an eyewitness who had seen them, Vince Thurkettle. He recalled for me his disappointment with what he saw. The three depressions were irregular in shape and did not form a triangle, he said. He recognized them as rabbit diggings, several months old and covered with a layer of fallen pine needles. They lay in an area surrounded by 70-foot-tall pine trees planted 10 feet to 15 feet apart, scarcely the place to land a 20-foot-wide spacecraft. He's making it bigger than it was, though, because they reported it as like ten, like a size of a the tank, of a and tank. he's making it 20-foot-wide, which is kind of sketchy. The burn marks on the trees were axe cuts in the bark made by the foresters themselves as a sign that the trees were ready to be cut. I saw numerous examples in which the pine resin bubbling into the cut gives the impression of a burn. Additional information came from other eyewitnesses. The local police called to the scene by the Woodbridge Air Base. The police officers who visited the site reported that they saw no UFO, only the Orford Ness Lighthouse. I telephoned Dr. John Mason, who collects reports of such sightings for the British Astronomical. Astronomical. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. I telephoned Dr. John Mason, who collects reports of such sightings for the British Astronomical Association. He told me that shortly before 3 a.m. on December 26th, an exceptionally bright meteor, almost as bright as the full moon, had been seen over southern England. Dr. Mason confirmed that this meteor would have been visible to the airmen at Woodbridge as though something were crashing into the forest nearby. Hmm. The time of the sighting matched that given in Colonel Halt's memo. Finally, I turned to the question of the radiation readings. I learned from the UK's National Radiological Protection Board that readings like those given in Colonel Halt's memo could be expected from natural sources of radiation, such as cosmic rays and the Earth itself. In short, there was no unusual radiation at the site. Hmm. So that's the article from the guy that's basically saying, no, it was... It How was, would they have not known about a meteor, though? I don't a know. A meteorite or whatever. I don't know. 
The British Ministry of Defense investigated the case and concluded that the lights from the lighthouse had been responsible for what was seen over the two nights in terms of lights. Uh, to me, that's... We don't like what they saw or what they say they saw, so we're going to come up with some that, other sort yeah, of plausible yeah. explanation. You know, that's basically what uh, Burroughs said in the podcast I listened to. He's like, we knew the lighthouse. It was not the lighthouse. A lighthouse right. does not shoot beams of light at the ground. They don't travel It doesn't travel. Distances. It doesn't break up into multiple lights right. that flutter down to the ground. In the summer of 2003, a former USAF military policeman at Woodbridge, Kevin Condy, claimed on television and in the press that the Rendlesham Forest UFO case might have been sparked by a practical joke he staged in his police car to frighten the guard at the East Gate. Quote, There was this one guy at the back gate, and he was known to be a bit of a problem. He was always seeing things, Condy told the Daily Mail. It always turned out that it was just a star or something, so I decided to play a practical joke. Condi himself cannot remember the exact date, but from his description of the circumstances, including the weather conditions, it seems that it did not coincide with the Rendlesham sighting. Neither is it established that the guard he was trying to scare was one of those on duty at the time of the UFO sighting. Condi says that he drove along the Woodbridge runway, whereas the lights reported by the security guard were in the forest. Additionally, Condi was evidently not aware when he made his claim that the sighting stretched over two nights instead of one and involved lights that were nowhere near the airbase. However, Condi did say that maybe someone else copied his practical joke the night that it happened. <laughs> Let's grasp at straws yeah, while we're at fact, it. He said, in fact, most good cop practical jokes don't get repeated. Hmm. So, I don't know. I That doesn't sound plausible no. in <laughs> any way. And on the podcast on the way here, uh, Burroughs kind of tore into him and said no. It was, he said he wasn't there that night, and he said it was just a ridiculous statement. Mm -hmm. And he might even think it was disinformation. But, uh, you know, because once somebody there. hears something, like he said, once somebody hears something they believe like it. that, it's the lighthouse or it's a guy mm -hmm. playing practical jokes, yep. they, the case is immediately written off. UFO researcher Russ Callahan discovered that the 67th Aerospace Rescue and Recovery Squadron was based at Woodbridge at the time of the incident. The ARRS was a completely separate unit, and each group probably wouldn't have knowledge about what the other was doing. This squadron was involved in the recovery of the command module capsules used during the Apollo moon missions, and during the 1980s, the recovery of the film used on those missions was sent back to Earth in capsules from spy satellites. The film from those spy satellites made entry back to Earth in a mini-capsule that was recovered by helicopter once it landed, and the ARRS used a mock-up capsule for practice sessions. Mr. Callahan said he discovered that the ARRS did a practice run on Christmas Day, 1980, but that it had run into problems, and the chopper pilot dropped the capsule in Rendlesham Forest. They came back the next night to recover it. Mm. So basically, they're saying that the craft that uh, Burroughs and Penniston saw the first night was this mock-up craft of a capsule that they used to send the film down from spy satellites. You know, so then you got yeah, but would it you the basically react they're saying the way it did? basically they're saying the first night the craft was seen, but it was a mock-up of a craft that the that that group used as practice to retrieve film from spy satellites that for some reason they dropped it in the woods that night and went back to get it the next day. And that's what Penniston and Burroughs saw was this fake craft. Hmm. And then the nights after that, when Halt went out, what they were seeing was the lighthouse and all that stuff. Could you hear my eye roll yes, there? Yes, I, I, oh I saw gosh. your eye roll. So I don't know. Uh, Have we, do they, could they produce photos of this mock craft? I think they have, but I did not come across them. Hmm. 
So in June 2010, Halt signed a notarized statement that included this paragraph, quote, I believe the objects that I saw at close quarters were extraterrestrial in origin and that the security services of both the United States and the United Kingdom have attempted both then and now to subvert the significance of what occurred at Rendlesham Forest and Bentwaters by the use of well-practiced methods of disinformation. Mm-hmm. Yep. So then somebody asked his superior to comment on Halt's statement, and that was Colonel Conrad, and Colonel Conrad said, quote, Colonel Halt can believe as he wishes. I've already disputed to some degree what he reported. However, he should be ashamed and embarrassed by his allegation that his country and England both conspired to deceive their citizens over this issue. He knows better. The government has been yeah, exactly. conspiring to deceive us for... Exactly. Halt said, quote, I was a non-believer. I never really gave it a second thought before the incident. But I've got so much material from so many people, and I've talked to so many credible people, people that do not want their names used, that are in very influential positions, including some that are as high in the government as you can possibly get. I can tell you, we are not alone. I can guarantee you that. And according to a December 24, 2015 article called, quote, Christmas Lights, the inside story of one of the world's most notorious UFO sightings, the article says, quote, a lot has changed over the past 35 years. The twin bases at Bentwaters and Woodbridge are shut down, replaced by a military museum in Bentwaters Park, a filming location used in the making of episodes of Top Gear, as well as the Hollywood blockbuster Furious 6. The UK Forestry Commission, which owns Rendlesham Forest, now operates a UFO walking trail there. Hmm. A UFO walking so, trail. So, what do you think? I think they saw something. <laughs> I, I do too. I, I not I, any of the stupid explanations. Up until I this gave morning, them. I I really thought it was just all a case of mistaken identity. You know, because I could kind of see that. I could kind of understand that. That say that they went out and they saw this practice craft. You're not gonna know. You know, if it, if they didn't know that was gonna be there, you're gonna be like, what the hell? There's a UFO but here. But why would it have the effect that it had? I on don't them? know. I don't, I don't know. know. You know, and the, and the indentations were not where it landed. It was rabbit burrows. And and would this mock craft give off radiation? No, but the other article says that that's natural radiation that you get from the earth and in that area. And then the night when Halt and his group went out, because they were so jumpy about what happened here, they were ready to jump at anything. And that's why any other night they would recognize the lighthouse as a lighthouse. But because they were jumpy this night... It was that I'm not saying I believe that, but I'm saying that's right. like the argument that yeah. that people who think it was all mistaken identity say. I just feel like these are trained military individuals. Yeah, but that you know, you and I say that a lot. Yeah, but that that's part of something called the authority fallacy, where you because somebody is in a position of authority, you automatically feel like they. But this, have this is better, Air Force, right? Yeah. Like, because <laughs> someone's in a position of authority, they have better idea, or they are not as easily fooled as you and I are. You know, and that's a very real thing. I think you that's and I, true you and in I say that all the time, though, because, like, when though. a police officer says he, says he saw a UFO, we buy into it more. So I kind of understand that they're just as fallible as we are. But I think they're more analytical and they're more they apt to investigate. And they're trained, they're trained to deal with stuff like that. They're yeah. Tra- they're, they're trained not to get spooked by seeing a light in the woods like if a doctor saw a yeah. ufo i'd be like so what he's yeah. a doctor yeah, he doesn't a, know like a, anything about like ufos a, a, a fighter pilot or a that's soldier different. saw a ufo <laughs> yeah, yeah i agree like i said i've come I, around i know that's a real thing but i think it makes sense in these situations yes yeah, i agree 
like I, I was on board with the it was all mistaken identity up until listening to Burroughs on that podcast where he's talking about how it was a really interesting podcast. Like they they it was it's never officially been stated, but it's widely believed that there were nuclear weapons at this base, that this was one of the bases that had nuclear weapons. And they, the interviewer asked Burroughs that, and he said, you know, we sign lifetime documents that we can neither confirm nor deny anything. And, you know, and then he kind of went on to say that UFOs, there's a lot of reports of UFOs being attracted to sites that had nuclear weapons, you know, so, so it's possible. But then he said, he said things are weird with him and Halt. He said like Halt, doesn't he said what everybody needed to do everybody that was there needs to get together mm-hmm. and talk about what they saw because everybody has different ideas about what they have seen mm-hmm. you know he says that the guy that he was there with that night has remembers different things than he does mm-hmm. they were all hypnotized and a lot of stuff came out under hypnosis but like we've talked about that's not always right real accurate well and witness people who witnessed yeah. we just watched a um my husband and I watched a documentary on Netflix called explained and i think it's like the brain explained yeah and it talked about how like 9 11 how faulty our memories are of that day that yeah people like this one example was this girl said that she was at a school that looked out over the river and she could see the smoke or whatever and her mom was working in the city and that was a memory that she was 100 percent sure of and it turns out none of that was actually yeah. true. Yep. And it was like she must have seen stuff on TV that yeah. made her. So it's in, it's crazy how faulty our memories it are. It is. It's bad. It is so, bad. I mean, I've come across that where I remember something that didn't happen. Is or it Mandela just, effect? Yeah, no <laughs> kidding. Know. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Oh, that's another rabbit hole. But but he says that they all need to get together and compare notes and figure out what, what they all saw. But he says, like, Halt fights this. Halt wants nothing to do. Like Halt is it goes to a lot of conventions and talks a lot about it, but it, they said he's almost like fighting, getting together to nail mm-hmm. down what really happened. And Burroughs actually won a large sum of money from the government because whatever happened to him that night gave him health issues, and mm-hmm. they basically said yes, whatever happened that night affected you and gave him a huge chunk of money, but nobody can say what happened that affected him physically right i suppose just because he was on duty yeah they're responsible he says that there was a lot of testing going on there he said the lighthouse actually nobody knew at the time but they were experimenting with like like electromagnetic waves and stuff to do like maybe radar things that they were they were doing things from the lighthouse and he says they were testing a lot of things in that area so he said he's not a hundred percent convinced that what he saw was alien he says he thinks it might have been something that they were working on that got out of hand and mm-hmm. affected him, but Could he did win a ton of money. Hmm. So again, that that podcast is called The Unexplained, and they've talked to a halt on there too. And I'd actually really like to listen to that because this one now I'm like super interested in this because there's just so much here that it's got a conspiracy feel. To it's it got a too. conspiracy <laughs> feel to it. It's got the aliens. We have actual audio of them in mm-hmm. the woods, which is really fascinating to me. Like I love that audio. Yeah, that you can hear what they're seeing and going through, and they're talking about lights breaking off of the main light and shooting beams down at the ground and moving and that's not a lighthouse right you know and and they have all said we're not dumb we know where the lighthouse is we have seen the lighthouse it was not the yeah lighthouse. that's like an insult to their intelligence to be like oh they were just seeing the lighthouse but then other people say they were jumpy because of the sightings the night you know two nights before so i don't know i'm on board with thinking that they 
I think they saw something. They saw something. Whether I think or not it's it was unfortunate an... that all we have to go off of is eyewitness testimony. We have yeah. no evidence. No, but of there, there might have been the pictures were evidence. There might have been right. evidence that. But we'll is, never is gone, see that. Those. We'll never see. Yeah. You know, and he says, uh, Burrow says that he tries to get files all the time, and they will not give him anything. They'll never mm-hmm. give him anything. He says he doesn't think anybody will ever know what happened. Hmm. You know, all we have, like you said, is to test the eyewitness. We right. have the audio, but. You know, I which can't, is basically just they sound, they sound so genuinely freaked out that yeah. I can't imagine it being the lighthouse that right. is causing that. You know, how many times does he say this is strange during the... Well, and I've seen enough lighthouses to know they don't behave that way. No, but also, you know, playing devil's advocate here, when you listen to him talk and they talk about how the light is there one second and then it's gone. Well, and that's then it's normal. Back, that's the lighthouse. That could be revolving. the lighthouse light revolving. Yeah, but so not I can the see... way it moves. No, It exactly. wouldn't travel exactly. over the land I can the way see they were how, describing. I can see how people think that they might have been seeing sure. the lighthouse. But in, in some of the points, not yeah. the whole encounter, though. Yeah, like I said, now at this point, I'm kind of leaning towards they saw a legitimate craft. Mm-hmm. You know, but I don't know. I just have a hard time with buying the binary code downloaded yeah. into his head. Yeah, I don't but know. But then when the either. other guy did legitimately say that he saw Burroughs disappear, disappear, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> you know, again, yeah. I don't, I'm... I'm I'm torn on this one. I really am. I lean towards it was a craft, but I don't know what to make of this. I lean towards they definitely saw something and something happened, but we'll never know what it was. No, exactly. And I don't think it's any of the mundane explanations that everybody else is trying to explain it away with. I I agree 100%. So what do you guys think? Rendlesham sighting. Was it an alien? Was it not? Was it just a lighthouse? What do you think it was? Yeah. Cool. So cool. We I do went, like that. I, I do like that case. Yeah, it's definitely like This is going to be one of those ones that I end up investing a lot of time in on my time off because mm-hmm. I'm really fascinated by this. I'd like to find out. I would love to like meet these guys. And I know they do go around on conventions and stuff. Oh, really? Yeah. That yeah. would be cool. Like Burroughs was Let's on go his to way like to... a speaking event or yeah. something? Yeah, it would be cool. Mm-hmm. It would be neat to meet these guys. You know, so I don't know. Cool. What All do you right. guys think? So now moving on, we had a gift sent to us by longtime stranger Jeremy. We're this excited. is Jeremy Ritter. Yeah, writer. I think writer. writer. I always say it wrong. I always say Ritter too. I think it's writer. Shoot, I Jeremy, can't let us know. <laughs> Sorry. I know. I always in my long time listener whose last name we can't pronounce. In my head, I always think Ritter, and I don't know why. It's an Amazon box. I can tell by the uh, the tape that's closing it because I've ordered a lot of Amazon yes. presents lately. We'll give you the honors of opening it. Can you give me something? To oh, open I'll give you my handy dandy multi tool. <laughs> like I'm not ripping it open with my bare hands. If he can get it open. If he can open his opening tool, we'll get this box open. Ooh. All right. I seriously Did love... Did you shake it around a lot? My multi-tool? No, the box. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I spilled coffee on it trying to get into the building. Oh, nice. Watch it be something that's like totally coffee stained now. Probably. Way to go, Kurt. I have to move my microphone. All right. That multi-tool is so awesome. Apparently not at opening gifts. <laughs> okay. Here. I have that back. He said you told me it was something for the studio. I see bubble wrap. There's Ooh. bubble wrap. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. Okay, look at this doll that's on here that Jeff brought. It's Annabelle. We have a little tiny Annabelle. We have a Krampus. Wow. <laughs> Awesome. What are the odds of that? That, that is, is cool. so funny. Oh yeah. my God, he's like really cute. 
<laughs> I have to take a picture. And here. Thank you so much, Jeremy. Yeah, we have a... Here's another one. I can't see what it is. Ooh. We have a... What are these called? Pop, it says Pop Holidays. I don't know. Vinyl? Pop, are they pop figure? Pop dolls? Pop Maybe? figurines? We have a Pop Annabelle, which is creepy looking. And now we have the Pop Krampus. Krampus, who's adorable. <laughs> who is so cute. And we also have... That is so cute. Oh, my gosh. We need a shelf in here. <laughs> Guess what this is? I'm never going to guess. You'll guess. This is cute, too. Guess. Is it Bigfoot? No, but you're close. Close to Bigfoot? Close Mothman? A little baby Mothman. It is a little cute little pop oh Mothman. Look at the red eyes. <laughs> this, this is, is so, so awesome. cute. Thank you so much, Jeremy. These are awesome. These are so cool. So apparently now we have a collection of the pop figurines. Did you see his teeth? Or not teeth. Oh my God, it's so cute. He's super cute. He is cute. Okay. Like Krampus and Mothman should not be that cute. No kidding, right? Here, can you push that one this way? That's so funny that we had that Annabelle sitting here forever, yes. and now we have two more of these. Jeff brought it because he thought it'd be a fun addition to the studio. We should put them in the window. No, because then people break in here and jack right. them. No, I think we need a shelf to... Oh, they could, now that ledge isn't big enough. We'll figure something we'll out. We'll figure something out. We need a These are awesome. Thank you yes, so much, Jeremy. thank you Jeremy. so much. They're so We cute. love these. Oh, my gosh. Adorable. Thank you. We're going to have a nice little studio here. We are. We just got to organize. Yeah. We're a little I'm, unorganized. I'm, I'm kind of planning on coming here over our break and cleaning a little and organizing a little. It is Which a is ironic because disheveled. I don't even do that in my apartment. <laughs> so. Yeah. We have a brand new coffee maker. Like we maker. could put stuff over there on that shelf somehow. Yeah. And it's yep. just like full of junk. Yeah. We went from being freezing in here to be like 500 degrees. It is degrees. so hot in here now. Like, I am literally going to be sitting here in nothing but my podcast, my lucky <laughs> podcasting underwear pretty soon. I'm wearing a winter hat, but I'm not taking it off because my hair probably looks you insane. You look cute in a winter hat. I like, well, thank you. Girls look super cute in winter hats. Well, thank you. I've always thought that. And they're warm. Okay, now we do have a question. We have a couple questions. We have one that was directed mostly towards you because yeah. I've played them. Do you want me to answer it? Yes. Okay. So I took screenshots of the question. I'm going to totally murder this guy's name and i'm so sorry eric remmer <laughs> guttlesrud like, yeah ghost guttlesrud sure yeah so he said i got the quote exceeded 260 characters unquote message matter no matter how few characters i used on quom is that what it's called yeah so asking here instead krista which silent hill game was your favorite and why and did you get to try the playable trailer for the next Silent Hill game on PS4 before the project was scrapped and it was taken down? Um, so to answer that first question for, or the second question first, I don't have a PS4. I'm usually several years behind the new uh, gaming system. When it comes out, I still have a PS4. She just so. got a Super Nintendo. <laughs> I'm still playing Atari. No, so I, no, I didn't even know that Silent Hill had created... Uh, anything new i i felt like they haven't released anything in a long time um so i wasn't even aware of it didn't get a chance to play it um so that answers that question so i had to look up the order of the games because um they for a while they were like numbered and then now they just kind of started going by like names if that makes sense so there's silent hill silent hill 2 silent hill 3 silent hill 4 the room 
Then it's Origins, Homecoming, Shattered Memories, and Downpour. I think I played the first three, but I think that's all I've played. So I've played one, two, three, four, The Room, Homecoming, and Downpour. Um, Downpour is the most recent one that I've played. Uh, I think even last year, maybe I played it. So the first one, if you're familiar, it was really groundbreaking because for me, it was like the, I didn't even know horror, the horror genre existed in video games. So there were jump scares and even the the graphics are kind of crappy to today's standard. It was still, it was just really interesting. It was a really dark, creepy game with puzzles that you had to figure out. So I'm always going to love the first game. The second game was back at Silent Hill, but it was a different main character. Um, Was that the one with the male main character? Yes. Okay. Yep. The third one was the little girl. Yes. Yep. And she, like, part of it, she was in, like, a subway. And the the bulk of the game, I remember, was between a mall and an amusement park. Yes. Yeah. Um, And I think there was a movie, Silent Hill 2, the movie, was kind of loosely based on that game. The, the Silent Hill movie was... The original movie was, was pretty good. Freaky, yeah. Yeah, it was pretty good. That was mostly based on the first yeah. movie, yep. but I saw hints of other movies, yeah. that they th- or games, sorry. It was based on the first game. Um, All I remember from the movie is that the main girl was one of my big actress crushes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and she was in... She's in a lot of stuff. She was in that one with Vin Diesel yep. where she was the captain of the ship. Yeah, that was a yeah. good movie. Yep. Or, that I don't was, remember her name. That's the where the mind. character Riddick came from. Yes. Yeah, yep. I can't remember the name of it. It'll come to me. Um, the room was good. It was mostly, it mostly took place in like an apartment building from what I can remember. This is several years ago. Homecoming, unfortunately, I must have ordered it. It was a guy returning from the military home, I believe. Um, and I didn't get to play much of it because my copy of the game was like, there was a glitch in it and I couldn't get past a certain part. So it's the only oh, one that sucks. I've played that I never actually yeah, completed. Never finished. And Downpour is pretty good, but... To me, it's they're not really even in Silent Hill anymore, um, and this is downpour is a lot of running around this town, going in and out of businesses and houses, and there's like tons of monsters that yeah. come out of nowhere. My, so to answer the question, my favorite game is number two, and it's funny because it's so far back. The graphics have gotten so much better. the The game playing has gotten yes. so much better. Yep. But that one, for some reason, is it's just I. If I could go back and play any of them, it would be it that is, one. Yeah. Probably because one. it's still in Silent Hill. Yes. I love the hospital. Yes. Um, that that was my. That's my favorite. The too, hospital. I, yeah. I remember two just was the game. my favorite. Yeah, is that the that's the one with the dog ending? Like I yep. absolutely love the dog ending. Mm-hmm. Did you get the? Did yes. you ever see the dog ending? Well, there's like two or three like hidden endings. Yeah, yeah. Yep. The dog ending is just bizarre. Where yeah, there's this like locked door that you can never get in, and then you have to do all these things, and then you get a key to open the door, and then I think at the end of the game, you go, you open the door, and you go in the door, and his dog is in there. But he's sitting at the control panel with yes. all these videos, and he's got like so a little, he's got like a little headphone on. <laughs> yes. And then, then the guy says something like, "I should have known you were behind this." Mm-hmm. And then the dog like kind of whimpers and goes up and like licks his face, and then it ends. But like the end is like like a, a song made up out of sounds of dogs barking. Yes, oh my and god, and it's just so bizarre. Wow, that's all coming back to me. Yeah. Isn't there an alien ending yes. too? Yeah, and then another ending in a later game has a. And a secret ending where there's an alien with your dog. Your dog is with the aliens. Oh so yeah. I just remember thinking that was like just such a WTF ending that I just loved it. And I still like watching that on YouTube where I the think... dog is sitting there, t- you know, 
tapping buttons and on videos. There's all these all lights on this like dashboard yeah. or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so cute. I think one of the reasons I like this game the most is because it was less um, fighting. I mean, you, of course, had stuff that you had to kill and things you had to get by. And it was where Pyramid Head first came onto yes. the scene. And he is yep. the creepiest boss of all of the the Silent Hill monsters. Um, but there was a lot of, um, like, you get to a house, you realize the door is locked. Okay, now you got to go find the key. Like, I love that stuff. Yeah. I love having to find things and solve puzzles and figure out riddles. Yep. Yep. And being able to just kind of run around and explore and things like that without yeah. with minimal, like, having to fight yep. stuff. Um, so that's my favorite one. It's it's old school, but from what I I was kind of reading online to refresh my memory because it's been years since I played yeah. some of these. But number two is a lot of people's favorite, probably for the it same reason. So yep, it was a good game. I would love for them to come out with, with a new one, oh. just a new game, yeah. but have it be more of a throwback yep, to how to the, the old, series how the first started. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So good question. Yeah. Should we do one from our bank? Let's do it. Question yeah. bank. Do we ha- actually have a bank of questions? We do have a bank of questions. We have nice. a couple saved up in there. Oh, their food smells good. I know. I'm hungry. We should just go grab something to eat. <laughs> just walk over and grab a plate. I'm ready? I'm ready. Hi, Kurt. Hi, Krista. Love the show. Thank you, Thank mystery you. person. When was the last time you cried? Oh, That's kind of a depressing really? question. I feel like I have different levels of that. Yeah, I mean, I... Should I go first? You're asking two empaths when the last yeah. time they cried was. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I saw a commercial yesterday that was sad. I, there's that one that always <laughs> makes me cry. The, the the Amazon one with the dog. I think I've talked about that in another episode where that that commercial literally makes me cry anytime the I've seen Amazon it. Amazon one with the dog. Where the, where the, the, with the baby? Where the... I need more. Uh, it's from a couple of years ago where... This guy is playing with a new baby, with this baby, and you can see that dog wants to come and play, but every oh, time yes. he gets near... Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, so then they he put a up, lion on him, a lion mane on him. That's I'm getting teary just so thinking about that. I, that I, I literally cannot yes. watch that commercial. Because it's it's not know... so much a commercial, but it's a song that plays too. Oh. Well, it's just and the then how idea... they start the song up again at the end when the baby's reaching for the dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <gasps> I'm gonna Kurt, cry. Just getting all verklempt. <laughs> I'm gonna cry just thinking about it. There's another one where a girl is in the hospital, obviously getting some kind of treatment, and instead of giving her another infusion or whatever, they bring a, a therapy dog in, and her reaction to that dog, oh, it just yeah, my heart. Well, that's the that's the thing is that I what I'm gonna say the last time I like tear full full on tear cried was a couple weeks ago when I played a video game. You know, I talked <laughs> oh, about yeah, well, no, I that. talked about that game. Uh, Life is strange. Mm-hmm. I talked yeah. about that where you have to yep. make that impossible choice at the end. But then I played the prologue to that where you're playing as younger versions of the characters from the or from Life is Strange. It's called Before the Storm. It's the prologue before the game, and. Uh, at at the end, they have like the credits, you know, and it's it's happy because it's basically these two girls kind of like falling in love and all this stuff, and uh, it's funny because on uh, YouTube there's there's a video of reaction people's reaction playing this like where they have the camera on them, and after the credits there's this scene that's just this gut punch. Mm. And watching like people's reactions to that on YouTube, everybody does the same thing I did, where all of a sudden you bring your mouth to your your hand to your mouth and you're like, No, 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 no. Uh, and that was that was my last full on cry. But the last time I teared up was actually yesterday morning when I was writing the shout out for one of these upcoming uh, <laughs> really? one of our upcoming 
backup episodes. Okay. And it because it involves animals. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh I don't want to say nothing. Was it on the Facebook page? No. Oh, okay. No, I was looking for random shout outs for the backup episodes because we don't really have any shout outs for those. So yeah. like the the one for um the the uh Georgia Guidestones, I used the Russian soldier that didn't report the missiles coming oh, yeah, that yeah. would have started okay. World War Three. Yeah. So I was kind of doing that on these. And one of these I did a story about a dog, but I'm kind of bummed because I'm not I don't want to this is gonna probably give it away, but I thought this was kind of like not a well known story, but it I looked on the I looked it up last night when I got done writing it, and it's actually going to be the topic of a Disney movie coming out oh. on Disney Plus in like a week. Okay. So it, I thought it was like kind More of well an unknown story, <laughs> but it turns out it's really not. But it's about a dog. Okay. And it's cute. Okay. I guess the last so, time I cried was, and this is, I don't know, hopefully he won't mind. My husband's dad passed away. I remember you telling um, me that. A few weeks ago maybe a month now and it's a very complicated situation so i didn't cry for that loss i cried for my the, just watching my husband struggle yeah, with it that's the so, hard part i mean yeah. that's the worst thing is watching yeah. somebody you love go through that it's a very complicated situation yeah. <laughs> but yeah but literally i'm sure i teared up yeah i think i was watching i go to this website called it's like good news network or something because i go to yahoo and oh, i end I up can't. reading stories yeah. that are so traumatic that i'm like why do i do this to myself so I go to this website instead that's Good News Network, and I, there were a couple things that totally had me like yeah. tearing up because they were just so heartwarming. <laughs> I, th- I, I feel like right now, I think it's, I don't know if it's the stress I'm under, but I'll cry at the drop of a hat yeah. right now. This time and of I'm year. just like, I'm devastated right now by the news story about that country singer. The country, I can't think of what her name is. Mm. Hang on, I will tell you in one second. I haven't heard her. Her name is Kylie Ray Harris. Okay. She was killed. She was killed in a car accident, and in her accident, she killed a high school girl that was oh. driving a different car. Okay. She ran into that car. I didn't even and hear killed, about this. Yeah. She ran into that. She ran into the girls, the high school girl. She was coming. The high school girl was coming home from her shift mm-hmm. from work, and she ran into her car and killed her. Mm. So and they both, they were both killed? They're both killed. Oh, geez. And it just came out this week that... It came out that Kylie Ray Harris's blood alcohol content was three times the legal limit, Ooh. and she was driving at like 110 miles an oh hour. Oh my god! And I like I knew this was going to happen, but I went to her Facebook page, and everybody is writing like, "I hope you rot in hell for Aww. what you did." And it, you know, like everybody is. I just, mean, it's really tragic, it but her and family doesn't deserve that. That's exactly what it's like. I understand. They lost someone too. I understand what she did wasn't good, but I've done the same thing. I've driven when I was drunk and I shouldn't have. Yeah. You know, people do stupid things, but it's I... poor I, judgment. Yeah. And it breaks my heart to think of her family going on and seeing people say that I, they hope she's burning in hell. Right. And people That's like so on cruel. her YouTube videos are just writing horrible things like, you know, you deserve to die and stuff like that. And it breaks my heart to think of the family yeah. seeing this stuff. Mm-hmm. I you know, so I... And with all these shootings and everything, it's just horrible There's lately. Like, stuff going on in Wisconsin with that lately. Yeah. It's like School just... shootings. I feel like the state of the world right now is mm-hmm. just so bad i'm so trying good, good to, news is always yeah i'm trying to avoid the internet right now because yeah. i feel like a lot of my anxiety things that i worry about are from things i've picked up from reading stories on the internet yeah. and i'm like if i didn't expose myself to that i'd have a lot less anxiety in yes. my life yeah you so know. i'm really trying to avoid that stuff yeah <laughs> so and if, i've been i've been you know like i said i'm under a lot of stress but i've just been in an unusually blah mood lately mm-hmm. and i realized that 
you know, I've been doing a lot of research for these episodes and stuff that a lot of times I sit at home and I have investigation discovery on and it's nonstop. Mm, you know, murder. I, I got to turn off Kelly and Ryan when that comes on because they drive me nuts. So I turn that off and I, the next one on my favorites is investigation discovery. So I turn it to that and it's nonstop all day. It's on in the background. People murdering and I feel each other. Like that's, <laughs> yeah. that's depresses me. So I need to get away from watching that stuff. Watch Gilmore Girls. I'm telling you. Nothing bad happens on that show ever, and it's like the greatest show. <laughs> I should watch. That literally Girls. is like my feel-good show because nothing. I I can count on it to make me feel good. My feel-good show is probably Scrubs. I love Scrubs. Yeah, whatever you. Yeah. I feel like whatever lifts yep. your spirits, yeah. even if it's your guilty pleasure. Who yep. cares? We so, need that right now. Thanks for the sort of depressing question. Yeah, that was a downer. <laughs> it was a downer. <laughs> but hey, it's Christmas. Yeah. So. It's that time of year when we all feel down. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, I, actually, I, I'm not feeling that way. I have in years past just because of medical stuff going on in my family, but things yeah. are good this year, so I feel I feel very uplifted this yeah, year. Yeah, I'm just stressed because of job stuff. And, yeah, and feeling old. And like I said, this mid wall, this mid wall, this midlife crisis wall hit me hard this last six months. Mm. You know, so a couple people said I should post like a picture without my cap on so they can see if I would look good with your head. Yeah. Like if I would look good, (laughs) you know, but I don't know. Hair grows back, Kurt. It does. And you wear a hat most (laughs) of the time. So just, unless it's a wedding or a funeral, just give it a shot. And if you don't like it, put a hat on. It's winter. Nobody's going to question it. I know you don't like change. Yeah, that's true. So (laughs) I think that's it. Do we got the deets? Time for deets. The deets are, you can email us at thestrangesessions at gmail.com. We are on Twitter at Strange Session, without the last S. We are on Instagram at The Strange Sessions, where Krista does really good stuff. You can send us, oh, we got a postcard too from... Josh Arthurs. Yes. Thank you so much for the postcard, Josh. We got a postcard. I want to get our bigger whiteboard so we can put up more stuff. So thank you for the postcard. You can send postcards and snail mail to The Strange Sessions, P.O. Box 434, Manitowoc, Wisconsin, 54221-0434. And you can call our lonely Christmas hotline at 920-443-9602. And just to not end on a total downer, I'm going to read a pickle joke. (laughs) This is a longer than usual one. Are you ready? That's what she said. Uh, And we are talking about pickles. We are. Ralph, I think we have to fire our new cook. Why, dear? She's so slow. This morning I asked her to dice some pickles and she still hasn't finished. Do you know why she's taking so long? Yes, she's drawing black dots on them. Wow. That's horrible. (laughs) That is horrible. horrible. Oh, Oh, here's... Should I do one more? Do one more. I'm doing one more. It's Christmas. This one has a nice um, illustration with it. I love those illustrations. Why does a pickle cross the road? Why? To get to the other side dish. <laughs> okay. That one was that's pretty actually, good. That that's was pretty actually good. a little funny. <laughs> we can end Christmas with that. Yes. Merry Christmas. So Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah. Uh, Whatever else the is out there. One? Oh, Festivus for the rest of us. Festivus. Hate Seinfeld. Feats of strength. But I know you like it. <laughs> I love it. Oh, I don't like it. I love it. <laughs> I know you do. We're going to get Festivus poll in here. Oh, I don't want to. You probably have a lot of uh, grievances against me. <laughs> None. <laughs> well, I have no grievances you. against you. And lastly, want to give a huge shout out to our good friend, Jamie, who tweaked our uh, our theme music and our 
end of show music to include a couple little sleigh bells mm-hmm. for this Christmas episode. He Christmified it. He, he did hardcore Christom, <laughs> Christomify it. Sure. <laughs> Something like that. Christomified it. Christomified it. <laughs> so thank you so much, Jamie. We love the holiday theme and it will get used again. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks, Jamie. So I think that's it. So Merry Christmas, Krista. Merry Christmas, Kurt. And Merry Christmas to all of you. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, stay stay strange. This has been an Old School Media production, executive produced by Kurt Konechny. For more information and content, please visit strangesessions.com.